Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. You shall not what? Steal. You shall not what? Steal. Steal. That is the word of the Lord short and sweet and to the point. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat, everybody. You know, growing up, my favorite hobby by far had to be collecting baseball cards. Man, I used to love it, and I had tons and tons of cards. And the reason that I was able to have so many different cards is because my poor mom sacrificed so much to get me those cards. She would work OT, overtime, she would work, she'd be on call at work, not only just to provide for all of our needs at home, but also to be able to take me to the baseball card shop and get me those cards. And church family, I got to tell you, she was a great provider of my baseball cards. I had every single card I could ever want. And my favorite baseball player growing up had to be Frank Thomas from the Chicago White Sox. He was called the Big Hurt, uh, two-time All-Star, really, really loved him. So I was always in the hunt for Frank Thomas baseball cards. So one weekend, me and my mom, we went up to Sawgrass Mills Mall up in Broward. And she went into one of the clothing stores. And I, I was about probably eight or nine years old. And I said, hey, mom, look, right next door is KB Toy Stores. How many of you guys remember KB Toy Store? Yeah, it tripped down memory lane, right? You know, KB Toy Store. And I said, mom, can I go next door? Can I just look around and just play? You're almost done. You can just meet me there. She's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'll just meet you right there. So I went over to the other store, yeah, to, to KB, and I started walking around, looking around, and I got to the place where they had the rack of baseball cards. And as you could imagine, listen, my eyes lit up when I saw those cards. And here's what I did next. And I'm not very proud of this, by the way, all right? This confession weekend for me. In fact, I had the center camera. Mom, you don't know about this, but I am sorry for what I'm about to share, all right? It's confession weekend for me here. And so, so here's what I did. I looked around. No one's coming. And I started taking these baseball card packs and started opening them. Now, my intention was not to keep all the cards. <laughs> my intentions were just to look through the cards and see if there were any good baseball cards, specifically Frank Thomas baseball cards. So here's what I did. I looked around, no one was coming, and I started opening these baseball card packs, and I started just looking through them, making sure, you know, seeing nothing good there, tossed it to the side, <laughs> opening another baseball card pack, looking for those good card Frank Thomas cards, couldn't find anything. I opened another pack, kept opening them. By the way, I gotta tell you something. Last service and the first service, as God would have it, there was a Frank Thomas baseball card 
in one of these packs. I, I'm telling you, it shook me last service a little bit. Like, it got me off rail because he's been retired for years. And so, divine providence, right? Like, God put one of these new base, baseball cards. Anyway, so anyway. <laughs> what happened? I put, oh, yeah, I put them in there. I put them in there. <laughs> of course, I, man, I got, I'm keeping these cards. So anyway. So I, 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 uh, I put them, I, I put some of them in my, I found a couple that I like and I put them in my pocket. So I'm walking, I'm thinking I'm all slick, I'm slick, I'm walking out. And right before I left that store, here's what happened. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then I turn around and it was the biggest security guard I have ever seen. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I'm in trouble. My future is ruined. I'm going to be, the cops are going to be called. I'm going to be in handcuffs. I'm going to juvie. I, don't, I didn't know what juvie was, but I know it was a bad place. I'm going to juvie. But by the grace of God, the, 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 the security guard said, listen, just give me those cards and just take this as a warning. And so my little self just walked out of just trembling, and I kid you not, I never stepped back into a KB toy store ever again. My mom probably thought, it's so weird, why doesn't he want to go to the toy store? But that's the reason, Mom, why I never went back to a KB toy store. So as I was just thinking through all this, just reflecting back on this whole story, the obvious party that I offended, that I hurt, was was KB toy store, right? Because the owners, I'm sure, sacrificed, they bought these cards, and there was me just taking these cards. But the more that I thought about it, there was another party that I offended. And that was my mom. Why? Because she was my provider. She provided everything that I ever wanted. She gave me clothing and shelter and love and every single uh, one of the baseball cards. But even though she was such a good provider for me, I went outside of our provision and I took what was that mine. My church family, let me just bring that all over to our teaching for today because really what a picture of what happens every single time that we steal. Minor or major, every single time we steal, it's obvious that we're hurting that person, that group of people that we're stealing from. But there's someone else that we are offending, and that is who our great provider, who's God. In fact, the big idea this weekend, as we look at this Eighth Commandment, is that every single time that we steal, we offend our all-sufficient provider, who is God. In fact, if we can take it to the next step, it's almost an attack on God's provision to each and every one of us. Now, you may be thinking, wait a second, Pastor Omar. I understand that when we, that when we sin, we, we hurt other people. I get that whole thing. But, but how is God offended at this? You know, why is this an attack on God as provider? And why does he take stealing so seriously? We're going to find out from Exodus chapter Twenty. All right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 20, and you can follow along in our listening guides as well as take notes. And family, with that in mind, I have three thoughts for you today about why God takes stealing so seriously. Write this down as point number one. 
is because we all need to realize that God is a provider of all, of all. Now, before we go into the actual command, do not steal, it's important to lay down some basic theological concepts because there we will understand, then we will understand why God takes it so seriously, why it's an offense to him. Now, one of the foundational principles that we see throughout scripture is that God alone is provider, which is one of the reasons why in the book of Genesis, when he's dealing with Abraham, he reveals to him and to us one of his names, which is, which is Jehovah Jireh, right? Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide or the Lord is our provider. But when we, when we think of Jehovah Jireh, we think of God as our provider, I think it's easy for us, especially us who are believers, to say, okay, I understand that God is a provider of those who love God, of those who obey him, of those who walk in his ways. But the truth is, listen, we, got, we need to realize, letter A, if you're taking notes, that God is a provider of the good and the bad. And the bad. Look at what, the, look what our Lord tells us in Matthew chapter 5 about how he's a provider of all people. He says this, Speaking of God, he says, he causes his son to rise on the who? On the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and who? And the unrighteous. See, throughout scripture, God not only shows us that he is the creator of all people, good and bad, he's also the provider of all people, good and bad. Which means that if he's really the sovereign provider of all people, that naturally means, if you write this down this letter B, that God then appoints what each person will have. God ordains what each person will have. In fact, listen to how David describes the total and complete sovereignty of God's provision in First Chronicles verse tw- chapter 29. It is this. He says, wealth and honor come from who? Come from you. Not from us, not from our, listen, comes from you, God. For you are the ruler of all things. And in your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to who? To all people. In other words, whether rich or poor, listen, God is the one who sovereignly ordains what each person will have. Now, the natural objection by some at this, at this point is, well, pastor, I understand you're saying that God is a provider. I, I get that. But truth be known, listen, people have skills. People have abilities. Uh, people have talents. And you know, some people work really hard for what they have. But those who make that objection quickly forget that God is the one who gives every single talent That God is the one who gives every single ability. That God is the one who gives every single gift, everything we do. In fact, listen, you and I cannot get out of bed in the morning without God giving you the strength. And so listen, sure, we have a part in it, but ultimately, who's our provider? It is God who provides for us and he assigns. And so because God is the full and total provider and he assigns and appoints what each person will have, then he gives us the eighth command. 
you shall not steal and take from other people. See, this is why stealing is a direct offense to God Almighty. And it's because, write this down as big number two, stealing intentionally interferes with God's provision. Stealing intentionally interferes with God's provision. And there's two ways that we steal. And first is, the first is, write this down as A, we steal from other people. When we steal from other people. See, when we steal, it doesn't matter whether rich or poor, we are interfering with what God has assigned and appointed for each of us to have. And here's what's easy for us as a society, right? We tend to minimize when people steal from the rich. Why? Because they have a lot. And then we also then maximize when people steal from the poor because they have so little. But church family, I'll remind you, in God's eyes, it is all stealing, it is all the same, and it is all sin before his eyes. And so folks, listen, if you are here today and you know that you are blatantly stealing, maybe, take, maybe it's a shady business transaction, shady business deals you're involved in, Maybe you're evading taxes in one way, shape, or form. Maybe you're just taking something from someone or for some group or a company that you know you shouldn't. Listen, God is very clear. And he's commanding you to stop. Now, you may be sitting here at one of our campuses, and you may be thinking, Pastor, listen, I'm glad you're talking about this. Because I'm sure there's people at other campuses here online that may be struggling with stealing and it needs to be taught. So I am glad that you're teaching on this. But don't worry about me, Pastor Omar, because I'm a believer and I've come to church for a long time and I've never stolen. I've never taken a thing in my life. I've never stolen anything from anyone in my entire life. And when I hear that, it's clear that sometimes we don't realize we struggle with stealing as much as we really do. In fact, I think we come to a point that we start minimizing or even rationalizing in our minds when things are, that we're doing that are really stealing in God's eyes. And usually it's in the small little things that we try to rationalize. In fact, let me give us some examples on that. That's supposed to go to a restaurant and, you know, you order from a fast food, you know, you get your order. And at the end of the order, there's a famous question that they, the famous question that they, they always ask. It's, would you like a drink with your meal? And some of us may say, no, thank you. Can I just have a cup of water? Oh, you guys know exactly where I'm going with this, huh? Hmm. So you get a cup of water, and here's what restaurants do. They don't give you a regular soda cup, right? They give you those tiny little clear cups, right? You're walking over the little clear cups. And so you're walking now to, your, to the soda fountain, and then you got some fries, and you're thinking, man, I got an urge to get some Coke, you know? Man, I, you know, I, I got to get something sweet. So you kind of look around, and here's what, here's what you don't do. You don't go for the Coke, why? Because it's 
dark and brown, and people could see that you're getting Coke in those clear cups. So here's what you opt out, thinking you're slick. You get Sprite. Ah, you get Sprite. It's clear. No one will know, and I'll just cover my hands so they don't see the bubbles, and I'll just enjoy my little Sprite. Folks, listen. At the moment you got Sprite, guess what? You stole that drink from, that, from the owners of that company. Doesn't matter how you want to, that you stole it. Now for the ladies, give me some example for the ladies. Let's suppose you have a big party coming up, maybe a wedding. You're thinking, I need a dress. I gotta look good. So then you go to the mall, you're walking around, and you cannot find any dress, everything's so, you know, they don't look good on me. Then you go to the store and you find the perfect dress. Uh-oh. <laughs> and you find the perfect dress, but it's too pricey but you still buy it. You buy that dress. So you take it home and you hang it up and the day of that party, you bring it out and you put it on. You're excited. And then you call your husband or your child or whoever. Say, hey, can you tuck in that? Don't don't pull that tag out. Don't pull that tag out. Just hide it. Hide it so people can't see it, but make sure it doesn't get damaged. And then you go to that party, and you're dancing, and you're eating, and you're sweating in that dress. You know, the electric slide comes up, and you're doing the electric slide up out, out there. And you come home that night, you hang that dress, because it's so sweaty, it needs to dry off. The next morning, you wake up, you put that dress back in the bag, and you go to that store. And when the cashier says, what's the reason for returning this dress? You say... I just changed my mind. I just, I, 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 I just changed my mind. Listen, the, re, the moment you gave, you returned that dress, guess what? You stole the use of that dress. You stole that dress. That's supposed to go to Disney World with your little one. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of conviction happening in this service right now. I, I just say words and people are already, you know, screaming. Anyway, so you go to Disney and you're walking with your with your son, or whatever, and you look at the ticket prices, and you see that from ages three to nine is those child prices, a child admission. But your son is 10. So here's what you do. Hey, Billy, come here, buddy. I know you're 10 and you're excited about your 11th birthday. We're having that party. But, but, when we get up to that counter, you are nine years old. And when you go in there, listen, you are always nine years old. So, Billy, how old are you going to be? Nine. Nine. Yes, that's exactly how old you're going to be. So then you grab Billy by the hand and he already has a mustache, so you're coming to the, to the front. And at that point, you, you, add, you say, one adult and one child. <laughs> Folks, the moment you pay for that ticket, you stole the difference, right? From the adult ticket to the child. Can I do one more? Yeah? yeah? I, don't, I have many, but I just, just landed on, on these, these couple. All right. So you go to a restaurant. And uh, you have a great meal. You know, you order appetizers, 
whatever steak you want, order a meal, then you, you, get that, you get that dessert, a little espresso at the end. It's a great meal. And then when you get the bill, you're like, oh, wow. It's, it's cheaper than I thought it was going to be. But when you start looking through it, you realize there's, they didn't charge for one of the appetizers. And here's what happens. Some of us may be, well, if they forgot to put it on, the, on that check, Jehovah Jireh is providing for me. And so I am good with this, Lord. I am not going to say anything. And so you give that, you put that credit card there, you put an invite card, God, may the Lord bless you and come to our church, and you pay for that meal. Guess what? You stole that appetizer. See how it works? Sometimes in our minds, we, we just minimize, we rationalize when, when we really do steal. You know, a, a good rule of thumb is that if you, if you feel that you need to hide what you're doing, chances are you're probably stealing. In fact, the word there for steal in the original Hebrew, you know, the Bible is always written Hebrew and Greek and then translated into, you know, current uh, other languages. The word there for steal is the word ganav. The word ganav uh, obviously means to take something that's not yours, but here's the critical portion. It means to take by stealth or secrecy. And so if there's something that you're doing that you feel like, man, I hope people don't catch on to this or I hope people don't find out about this, guess what? Maybe that's the Holy Spirit moving in you saying, hey, you're about to steal something. And so even if we try to rationalize in our minds and minimize this, and in the eyes of God, it's still sin. However, there's someone else that we as people could steal from. In fact, write this down as letter B. We can also steal from God. In fact, listen to what the Word of God says in the book of Malachi. It says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees, and you have not kept them. God says, return to me, and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we going to return to you, God? Then God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Wow. Yet yeah, you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And then he replies, in your tithes and in your offerings. Right, you know, here's what's interesting. The people of Israel did not feel like they had an issue stealing from God. You know, just like you and I would never come into the house of God church and, and steal a, a camera, a computer, a chair, we, w- we wouldn't do that. In the same way, the, the people of Israel were saying, God, what are you talking about that we're robbing you? We have never entered into the temple. We have never taken the, the, uh, 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 the cups and the chairs and the, and the paint. We've never done that. So, 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 God, what are you saying that we're robbing you? We're not thieves. We don't, we're not robbing you. But God didn't see it that way. See, God was the total and full provider of everything they had. And part of the relationship that we have that God has with his people, the people who he's redeemed, is that as God gives us everything we have, part of our relationship with the Lord is that we acknowledge that he's a provider and we give back 10%. See, the word tithe means 10%. 
So part of the relationship is we acknowledge that he's a provider, we receive it, and we respond by giving 10%. Not of the net gain, not of what's left over, but of everything we receive. But yet the people of Israel, knowing this command, disregarded that command. And most people in church in general would say that they do not struggle with stealing. But I really believe that stealing is one of the sins that we mostly habitually commit, yet we don't realize it. Or we don't acknowledge it at least. And here's what the statistics, the statistics show. And this is not only true for Christ Fellowship, because I... This, True for here, but it's true across the church in general. Only 25% of the people actually give anything back to the Lord. So whatever campus you're in, you look around, and a quarter of the people, uh, only a quarter of the people in the room are actually giving back to God. And the statistics also show that less than 10% of the people actually tithe, give their full 10% back to God. Which then means that up to 90% of the people who say they've trusted Christ as Savior, who say they've experienced the love of God, who say they've experienced the mercy of God, the grace of God, the provision of God, that only 10%, that 90%, up to 90%, blatantly steal from the Lord. Now, you may, this may be hard to hear, and I, I understand that, and you may not like the fact that I'm touching on this. But listen, church family, the only time in Scripture where God calls out his children and, and tells them that they are robbing him is in this specific area. And sometimes, listen, truth be known, as pastors, is that we all kind of like struggle talking about this, right? Because we try to like... Okay, so how can we talk about this in a way that's like, you know, that they will receive it? You know, we'll try to find a way to get around it. But you know who has no problem being direct? It's God. So if we're going to be faithful to God's word, we, we got to share what, what, what the Lord says. Now, listen, if you are here and you are a guest, if you use your first time here today, or maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks, a couple months, and this is not for you. We don't want you to come in here and think that, all, that we want your money. Listen, that is not what we want. In fact, we want you to come, enjoy yourself, relax. There's not pressure of that on you. This is not for you so you can come bring your children, family, and enjoy and hear from God. But this is directly reserved for those people who say that Christ is their Savior, that they have a relationship with God. And so listen, if that's you, if you are at that point in your walk with the Lord that you know Christ is your Savior, you love him, all that, listen, this is something for you to wrestle with. 
Because regardless of whether it's tithing or whether it's tax evasion or shady business dealings or you're pocketing pens and post-its at work and taking them home, listen, regardless, listen, we got to come to a point as a church family, okay, that we self-examine if there's any area in our life that we're involved in stealing, whether it's from others or whether it's from God. And when you truthfully search and self-examine, God is faithful. He will always reveal. If there is anything, he'll reveal that to you. And when you find out, when you realize an area in your life that you are currently stealing, listen, it reveals a major thing about your heart. And here's what it reveals. Write this down as big number three. Stealing reveals that we don't trust God as provider, that we don't trust the Lord. Even in the smallest ways, listen, it reveals our lack of trust. See, that is why it's of no surprise that the most common crime in the world is theft and robbery. Because think about this. Since most of the world does not acknowledge God as provider, then they are left to themselves to provide for themselves. And some of them succumb to the temptation of stealing from other people. But I want us to be very, very clear about what happens psychologically when we steal. Because here's the psychology behind it. Whenever you steal, you keep something that's not yours, you take something that's not yours, big or minor, here's what happens in our minds when we do that. We think that if we can accumulate more, or if we can keep more, that somehow, someway, our future is more secure. Right? Now, let me repeat that. When we steal, it's because somehow, someway, we think that by doing so, we're securing our future. We're stabilizing. We have more. We'll be more secure. So I'm going to keep as much. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to. I'm going to take. Whatever the case may be, we start thinking that our future is more secure because the more that we have. So whether major or minor, listen, that's the psychology behind it. But church family, for those of us who say that we are believers in Christ, that we've given our life to Christ, He is our Savior, listen, there must be a radical change in every single one of us. And we must go from people who take from other people, and we need to be people who now strive for honesty. In fact, write this down as letter A. Trust in God as our provider leads us to be honest and accurate. Amen. Honest and accurate. Listen to, to what the word, the word of God says. He says, God says, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Keyword, honest. See, Paul's here saying, Listen, if you have been saved by Christ, if he is your all-sufficient provider, then strive for honesty in everything you do. If you're at work, if you're an employee of a company, then be a person of integrity. If you get extra change at the cash register, listen, give it back. When you go to Disney World, tell them the right age. You know, be honest and accurate because, listen, one of the things that I really firmly believe in my heart, 
really honors God is when his children, when he looks down and he sees his children being very vigilant of making sure that they never take or keep something that's not theirs. I believe that honors the Lord. You know, this past week, I went to Chipotle with um, Pastor Emilio from the Redland campus, and we're just hanging out every lunch. And you know how it is at Chipotle, right? At the beginning, you order like your main, you know, bowl or whatever. And I ordered a steak salad. So they start putting in, and you know how it is. By the time that whole thing passes, goes to the end, it's like a mound of stuff in top of like the meat and the whole deal. So the, the, the girl says this. A girl says, okay, chicken salad. And at that moment, I just stopped and I, and I corrected, no, 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 it's a steak salad. Chicken salad is $1.50, less. But I, thought to, but I thought to myself, I would rather make sure that I pay exactly what I'm buying than walk out of that, that, that store feeling convicted and knowing that I stole and I disobeyed my heavenly father. So I don't think you want that, and I don't want that either. And so I quickly corrected her because church family, listen, how are we going to be a testimony about the small in the small things if we can even be faithful in the small things? Truth be known, listen, if we fail and sin in the small ways, guess what? When the bigger temptation comes, we're going to steal. It's impossible for you not to see the small things yet be honest in the big things, right? And so, and so listen, if we're going to be people who are a testimony to the people around us, then let's be faithful in the small little things. But folks, listen, God is not only wanting us to be children, to be people who are honest, but he also wants us to be generous. In fact, write this down as letter B, trust also now leads us to be generous. Listen to how that passage in Ephesians ends. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. And what's the next phrase? So, so that, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. In fact, circle so that in your handout or your Bible, because here is what God is saying. Listen, don't steal. Be honest with everything that you do. And what's the purpose of all the money you get, of all the things you increase? Is so that you can meet the needs of other people. That's, that's, the, that's the idea. And folks, in the eyes of God, it is not enough for us just to be people who are honest and accurate. But in God's eyes, he wants us to move to a place where we're generous with what we have. That's the mark of a person who's been transformed by Christ. In fact, listen to what Tim Keller, uh, the famous pastor from New York City, listen to what he says about this specific topic. He says, you have not stopped being a thief, biblically speaking, when you have stopped taking. But you have stopped being a thief when you start giving. Now, let me repeat that because I think it's such a powerful thing. You and I have not stopped being a thief, biblically speaking, when you stop taking. 
You have stopped being a thief when you start giving. Now, you may be here today, you may be thinking, Pastor, I don't have a problem really with just striving for honesty and being accurate. Listen, I, I, I'm going to do my best. I'm doing my best. I'm going to continue to try my best. But if I could be honest, I would say that the area that I struggle with is really being generous. Not only generous to people around me, strangers, family, friends, but really also generous to, towards the work of God. You know, I just struggle in that area. And if that's where you're at right now, listen, the answer is not to force yourself to be more generous. It's not like you can wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the bathroom mirror and say, hey, you're going to be more generous today. And you know, sure, that day you might force yourself to give something, but truth be known, you won't have a generous heart. You just force yourself to give something. But, the, but if you want to be someone who moves from being a taker to truly having a heart that's generous to be a giver, listen, the key to that is not by forcing yourself, but the key will always be to look to the cross of Christ. You know, we all know that there were two people who were crucified at either side, at both sides of our Lord. And God the Father in his sovereignty, listen, could have easily, could have easily put anybody on each side. He could have put here a murderer, or he could have put there a gossiper, or he could have put here an adulterer. He could put anybody here. But God, as God would have it, God in his sovereignty, he put a thief on one side of the Lord and a thief the other side. Now, the question that should be stirring up in your heart right now is why would, the, why would God put two thieves at the side of our Lord? And here's the answer. It's because at the cross of Jesus Christ, it is a place where we see the apex of the generosity of God towards you and me. In fact, every single time that you and I look at the cross, one of the prevailing thoughts should be the generosity of God towards you and me. See, that is why in 2 Corinthians says this, listen, for you know and I know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich in heaven, in all glory, in all splendor, yet you're for your sake and my sake, what? He became poor so that you and I who were poor, who had nothing, who were in desperate situations, so that you and I could now become rich in him. You see, that is the point of the cross. The cross is where we see the generosity of God. You know, not only did we see the generosity of God, but here's the most beautiful thing. It's through the cross, we see that God met our biggest need. And our biggest need was forgiveness of sins. And through the cross, listen, he makes that possible. He met our greatest need. And in Ephesians chapter 1, 
it says that God, through the cross, God now blesses with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Our, 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 our current day secure, our future secure, everything about our life is secure, is purchased. Why? Because Jesus Christ gave his life for you and for me. And so church family, listen, when we look to the cross, we see the generosity of God, and here's now what God wants from us. He wants us to follow his example. He will never ask you to do something that he's never done himself. He's always going, now he's asking you, just like I was generous and met your need, now you are generous and you meet the needs of others. And here's what I love. Every single week and when we come together, God's people at all campuses, Listen, all of us look up and we acknowledge that God is our provider. And we put our trust in God. And when the people of God give to the work of God, give generously, you know what happens? The needs of the people here, both physically and spiritually, are met. And not only here within the walls of the church, but more importantly, outside of the walls of the church. And a perfect example of this is what our church does through Caring for Miami. Caring for Miami, in case you didn't know, listen, it's part of who we are at Christ Fellowship. We actually created Caring for Miami 10 years ago. They are our nonprofit missional arm to the under-resourced and hurting in this city. And listen, we do some amazing things at Caring for Miami. For example... One of the ways that we serve the, the, those who are in need is through the backpack program. And it's a, moment, it's a program what, that, that um, has realized that there are kids in this city, in your neighborhood, that they go after, on Friday after their last meal at, at school, they go all week and hungry, they have nothing to eat, and they come back starving on Monday. So what we, are, what we have done through Came from Miami is that we've identified over 1,300 students, uh, kids, 1,370 to be exact, and every single week, listen, with the backpacks that we stuff here after service together, listen, those backpacks full of food are given to these kids, they take them home, they're, ab- they're able to eat, and they come back to school with a full belly. Listen, that is how, one way that we're meeting the needs of the people in this community. Don't you love that, guys? And then also, listen, we also, another thing that they do is uh, for the migrant, for people who are, who are migrants, you know, there's a lot of people in our community in South Florida that are in a difficult situation. They don't know English, and so we're providing English classes for them, for them to learn and start getting in the rhythm of society here and be able to stand on their own two feet, and we help them as much as we can to those people. But we also have the mobile dental unit, super cool thing. It's literally a mobile dentist office that goes to those areas in Miami that are most hurting, most under-resourced. And you and I know how painful uh, dental issues with our teeth could be and how expensive it is. But we go to these communities and we're able to provide free dental work for them so that they don't have to pay and they can experience relief. We meet their needs and we love on them. We show them love of Christ. We share the gospel. We invite them to church. And it's an amazing thing what we do every single week through a mobile dental unit. And church family, one of those stories is that of Ruth. In fact, 
take a look, take a look at the screen. Ruth. I had a toothache and someone told me about caring for Miami, the bus. So I went there and they pulled my tooth. But then I had an operation that they loosened all my teeth going, trying to get something out of my throat. And then I really had terrible teeth and Thanks to Christ Fellowship, I'm smiling, really happy and grateful. It's like a miracle because I sure can't afford thousands of dollars to go to the dentist. I'm not embarrassed anymore. And I remember going to the Air Force Base once on a trolley thing and these kids laughing at my teeth. And so I didn't even really want to go anywhere until Dr. Sweetie gave me a smile. So it was really the blessing, uh, especially Dr. Sweetie and Grace. They really cared and they never judged me because I've had a rocky past. Say the least. They just talk to you and they pray. It made me really feel comfortable. I would like to thank everybody at Christ Fellowship. Everybody and everybody on the dental bus. I want to thank them so much for changing my life. Now I can grow out my older years and be happy with a smile. church family you know when I see that video you know the part that really gets me is the part where she says they cared about me and they didn't judge me because you know when I when I heard that I thought to myself that's who we were in Christ when we came before Christ we're broken we had nothing we had everything out of full of sin he cared for us he didn't judge us he provided our greatest need he loves us and so family listen see what the, see what happens when the people of God come together and they give they give generously people's needs needs are being met just like Christ met your need church families and that happens every single weekend here at Christ Fellowship we may not see it we're all busy with ministry with work or with all but listen that happens every single day. So church families, and if we're gonna be a church that reaches Miami, if we're gonna be a church that shows people the love of Christ, listen, we have to follow the example of our Savior. And we need to go from people who give, who take and take and take and give and give and give. That is the people that God is calling us to be because He's our greatest provider. He's our all-sufficient Savior. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We can give knowing that He's in control. And so my desire for us as a church as we move forward, 
generosity a privilege. That when we give, instead of burden, it's a privilege because we know that we have a great provider. Because we know that God is there and that he will never leave or forsake us. Amen, family? And so let's be that church that we take generosity as a privilege and we give to meet the needs of others. And so family, go ahead and send up with me at all campuses and let's sing of this amazing grace that God has shown us through the cross. God bless you, Christ Fellowship. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmemmy.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.